This Coach O, Coach Ed was around the Melton, New Tigers. And you listen out there, anchor with your boy Belts. And, um, you know, here he's out there in, uh, you know, uh, Pacific Northwest. Real, um, Coach O loves it out there. Real, real pretty. They got them, uh, you know, the Cascade Mountains and they, they got the Puget Sound and they, they got the, you know, the Oregon coast. And you go in and you got, the, they call it the Palouse, you know, that hot desert area. And they got the Spokane out there, real pretty. And, uh, the Hell's Canyon, you know, you're real, real nice. And, uh, you know, the, uh, what they call that, the, the Missoula Lake back in the day, you know, in prehistoric times, they had a big old lake that went all the way from Missoula, Montana out there. You know, just, it's real neat, real fascinating geography and all that. But, uh, you know, Coach O, he's a football coach. Well, I'm a retired, you know, semi-retired, fired, interim coach, whatever you want to call me now, analyst, I guess you can call me. But, uh, you know, one of the things that sometimes you got to deal with, um, you got people that they, they ain't that great, but they expect it to be great, you know. And, I mean, good example would be the Saints receiving core last year. You know, we had them, them Dollar Tree you know, uh, junior high receivers out there because of Michael Thomas hurt and we didn't draft nobody. And, you know, we, we had to rely on, on some, some great, great overachievers like uh, Callaway and, and, and uh, Hardy and all them. And they was, they was great, baby. They did a good job, but, you know, they wasn't no, they wasn't no greatest show on turf or nothing like that, you know. And um, I mean, them Saints still made the damn playoffs almost, you know, and we came real close. And, hey, look, them Saints going to be C-R-U-N-K next year. Crunk, that is. I mean, they're going to oh, they got Michael Thomas back. They got Alave. They got my boy from LSU, Jarvis Landry. It's going to be good. But, I mean, you're out there with Ian Book, and you're making his first start getting killed, you know. Or you got Trevor Seaman, Seaman, Simeon, whatever his name is, you know, throwing at them um, practice squad players. You ain't going to have the same results. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, and you got to try, baby. You got to, you know, got to overachieve and all that. Uh, I'm Coach O. I'll take, every, take everything, and, uh, you know, it's just, just get get all her with it, you know. I mean, if you're facing that in your life, baby, and you you got them uh, obstacles to overcome, you know. You just you like that little train that could, baby. You just keep going and uh, blow through there and say, "I am Coach O, bitch." Brr. Go Tigers! Compute cycles. We'll lose part of the system for a while. You know, there's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're gonna compile for half an hour. Go ahead, all of you. I'm approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Welcome to the Sports Antelope. I'm your host, Danny Belts, episode 103, K-Y-P. Just three simple letters, K-Y-P. Sing it, Kenny. Still haven't seen Top Gun yet. Looks like Tommy Bench went without me. Wow. Major uh, party foul of a bro commitment. That's okay. I'll end up seeing it by myself. I'm in the Pacific Northwest right now. Wow, I've had some experiences, both good and bad, up here. Recording live from a beautiful courtyard in Tacoma, Washington. We're going to talk about the January 6th committee thing that's going on here. Joy Behar and Chuck Schumer both make the news for the sports antidote. That's great. President Biden's approval rating. Something interesting to note there um, in the media differential, which I'll, I'll get into. Tommy Bench is out today, so I'll be carrying some of the load when it comes to the political side of things. Bro Exotic is on Of course, it's Pride Month, so it's like his Super Bowl. Uh, The only thing better than Pride Month for Bro Exotic is Black History Month. Of course, everyone knows that. And I'll get into KYP, what that means, how it applies, 
so much more than just a basketball court, right? Yes, of course. Be sure and follow us at The Sports Antidote, please. Rate, subscribe, and review at The Sports Antidote. Reach out and touch, brother. Tell somebody about The Sports Antidote today. Speaking of Pride Month, Major League Baseball decides to, you know, go full woke like every other major company, and I have no problem with it. I understand. And in doing so, you know, there's five particular people for the Tampa Rays who, down there in Florida, uh, have religious conviction and say that they don't want to do that. They get slaughtered by the media. Sarah Spain calls it a, quote, bullshit excuse. Um, Some say they're hiding behind Jesus, calling them cowards. What could be more cowardly than attacking someone for their religion? But it's open season for any type of white, even Hispanic person that's Christian. My question is, okay, if you're going to have that same type of scrutiny all the way to the macro level of someone's beliefs against homosexuality, which we'll get to in one second, then do you do the same thing for the Muslim players? Probably not so much in baseball, but in the NBA and the NFL where there are many Muslims, what are their opinions on Pride Month? Is there a reason why Pride Month (laughs) takes place when both those sports basically aren't happening aside from two basketball teams out of the 30 that are in the country? It's probably well done on purpose because if you had Pride Month in November, you'd have a lot of explaining to do when the Muslim community does not participate in that. And that's one of the few things Christians and Muslims can come to terms on most of the time is just they're both not about that action. And I also – my opinion aside is irrelevant. What I just said is completely factual. Uh, So is this. I've said this before, and we always circle back here, and we do a good job of it, unlike the previous press secretary, Jen Psaki, but (laughs) when we talk about tolerance, I think we just forget, once again, that it is a two-way street. So in the Tampa Rays case, one of these five players not uh, wanting to wear the pride patch is a form of intolerance by definition, okay? can't get away from that it is they're being intolerant towards a certain lifestyle and certain views of a particular side however the greater intolerance now this is my opinion but the the greater the greater being my opinion the intolerance is not my opinion this is a fact for sarah spain and company to persecute them in particular uh for not sharing the same opinion and beliefs of the other side is a greater form of intolerance. What Sarah Spain fails to understand is that the two-way street of intolerance is ever going and wide open and 24-7. So you don't get to do construction on one side and have this be a one-way. Showing intolerance to one side, in this case being the baseball players over here, and then showing intolerance to them, and then them thinking they're not being intolerant but pounding on you for not thinking like them is not only intolerance, it's idiocy. So once again, the far left swears they're the most tolerant side and everything, yet they don't even understand the word by Webster as defined in the big thick book called The Dictionary. So if you want to go look up tolerance, I could read you definitions, but go read it. I'm looking at it now, and I've actually said it like five times on this show, but it's pretty funny. So let's just move on from that. It is on full display the insanity of the far and ESPN. And she did, by the way, call it a bullshit religion. Wow. Christianity, the number one religion in, in this country and basically the world next to Islam is, is but wow. Even ESPN had to draw it back on that. Sarah Spain is a hemorrhoid 
on the a hemorrhoid on a leech on a dying cow that's on society. She is the worst of the worst. And she was on that sex cruise with Gronk too. Topless. Remember that? Yeah, that's okay though. Me too. So uh, let's talk quick about Joy Behar. Got to get into this. Uh, if you do watch The View, uh, you, you know, Whoopi Goldberg on one side, <clears throat> Joy Behar on the other. Uh, collective IQ in the room. I'm not the only person that said this of around 17. And that's with everyone all in. And every now and again, they'll have guests come on that have conflicting views than they do. And they don't really know how to do anything. So they just talk really loud, talk louder than they do. And then their audience, a bunch of unemployed female snowflakes will just clap regardless of what is said. Even when Joy Behar says something wildly racist to a black guest on their show, you can't make this up. This is Joe. Be- this is Joy Behar, not forty-eight hours ago. They are fifteen owners or former military. Okay. Thirty-five plus. Let me say one point. So that's all I'm saying. Okay. Is that yeah. once, 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 okay. Here's the thing: once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. And she keeps cutting her off. And the woman's trying to make a point about an AR-15 owner, ex-military, over thirty-five, yada yada. And she makes a statement, when black people have guns, are you nuts? This is, this is, this is a, this is, she's the definition of far left insanity. She's out of touch with reality, of course. You have Whoopi Goldberg on one side and Joy Behar on the other. So Whoopi Goldberg, a racist who hates Jews, and then Joy Behar, a Jews who is a Jew, excuse me, who is a racist. And somehow they, they, <laughs> they look at each other. It's pretty funny. Uh, they're on the same team somehow, but it is just unbelievable that she looked right at that black and that the lady of color, the black lady who was saying that her face like completely. If you look at the video, her face completely shifts to did you really just say that? So you really just can't make that up. And then we talked about this a month ago. What did and I didn't make some proclamation like I made some amazing uh, futuristic call, but we did talk about Chuck Schumer getting up there and threatening Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, okay, and how the endorsement, basically the endorsement of violence from his own mouth could lead to violence, and it almost did. Just so you remember, here it is. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. That a man was arrested overnight near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He was armed with a gun, a knife, and pepper spray and told authorities that he was there to kill the justice. Now, he was not arrested. They will bury this in the depth. This story will go into the Indiana Jones Museum, you know. It'll go into some museum and get shelved in the very back. Um, I-, I will tell you right now, if a Republican senator got on the record and got a crowd of people excited to potentially do harm to, a, to anyone on the Supreme Court and then someone showed up at Sotomayor's house with a weapon, a gun, a knife, and pepper spray, you would never hear the end of this, ever. This, just, this is insanity. Honestly, I think Chuck Schumer should have to step down. And before you roll your eyes, uh, he created a clear and present danger. What he did is basically a crime. This is what Spike Lee did. Never mind. I don't want to go down that road. 
But it's fine. You know, Schumer will stay there clamoring away, putting his glasses down and looking at you like you're a third grade student from a confused math teacher. He doesn't even look through the lens of the glasses. How does that work? So we are going to talk about some sports today, but I'm just going on a roll and I'm going to I'm going to keep this train going. The January 6th committee kicks off here. Um, There was a big story on CNN of how to get the public interested in the January 6th hearings. That right there is beyond telling. How do we get the public interested in something they're not interested in? So the big question there is, why do we want to get the public interested? Because we really don't want to talk about anything else that's happening. (laughs) Pretty simple. And CNN is so, they're so starving for material right now. They'll just be open about it and say, how do we get the public involved, interested in something that's not interesting? Because everybody went to jail, okay? And everyone went to jail that was involved. No one on this show advocated against that. If you went in there and destroyed federal property and did things you were not allowed to do, you should go to jail. Although we all know, and I know you know this, nobody went to jail on the other side. And if you did, when you went across the country destroying things, they estimate $1.8 billion now, um, actually more than that, in damages across the country to private and public property and the BLM and everything else you want to call it. Um, it's incredible now that we are at – we're still having these hearings now. We're coming up on – this thing was, what, two years ago? And we're still talking about this. Uh, it's not two, a year and a half ago. And we're still on this. And I, I just don't – I guess I just don't understand how people are still interested in this because they're not. Uh, Trump's out. He's been out. He's probably going to run again. And right now he is heavily favored by the odds makers. Just putting that out there. I'm not saying he's going to win. But I'm just saying the odds makers seem to think it's a pretty good chance. Uh, we'll get into that, not this episode, but shortly. And in this instance, I just feel the media just completely showing their hands here, their cards, as far as just saying, yes, we know no one's interested. Okay. How do we get them interested? No one wants to be. And the reason why is because we've already seen this story so many times that they keep coming out with, oh, there's new evidence. Now you sound like Giuliani getting closer to Biden getting in when Giuliani's like, we have new documents. No, you don't. Stop it. I can't believe how many times Rudy get up there. We have something coming. No, you, you don't. You don't have anything coming. If, if anything, pack your shit because you're leaving the White House, whether it was fraudulent or not, doesn't matter. You're leaving. Get out. Shut up. <laughs> I get so sick of hearing Giuliani. Here we got a new bag of evidence. It was insane. Uh, my point here is simple. January 6th, the story, the main story should be this. Only one person died. Ashley Babbitt, right? An unarmed white lady was shot in the neck by a Capitol Police officer. One person died. Ashley Babbitt. An unarmed white lady shot in the neck by a Capitol Police officer. That's not the story, though. How is that not the story? No one else died that day. Full stop, period. Not, not, not in that Capitol riot air quote. Can you imagine? <laughs> this is in the height of defund the police. A police officer shoots an unarmed white lady in the throat of all places. <laughs> Just, the video is beyond disturbing. But the fact that we don't even discuss this <laughs> just shows, I mean, this is in the height of all of this, right? I hate to flip the script, um, but at the same time, if this is a BLM rally and it, someone is shot in the throat, let's say a black female by a white police officer, boy, 
brace for impact. But it just shows how kind of we were able to put things, completely polarize things, and then just divide the middle, but not even divide the middle. What I mean is just divide and get rid of one side on that and be like, we don't need that. Let's just roll this paper up and keep moving it. Because that's not even a talking point for any of these committees, how a white lady, an unarmed white lady was shot in the neck. 25, and I love this too. And I, we'll get into we'll this in a minute. But 25, 25 plus people were killed in BLM rallies across the country. This is, I got this from CNN.com. You got to love this. 25 plus. What the hell does that mean? 25 plus is that like that could be a million right like i have 10 plus dollars in my bank account okay one plus people died in the 25 plus people what is what 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 does that encompass that is an incredible that i don't even know how to describe that i've never heard anyone put deaths in a plus varietal we're not talking about a bunch of people in Vietnam in the war and you don't know if a platoon got wiped out. You know how many people died in these. Uh, and yet I don't hear any hearings. We hear nothing. Way more death, rape, all kinds of things happened during these riots. We don't hear a goddamn thing. The only thing that happened at that Capitol riot, again, was what I kept saying earlier. And it's not even covered. And to me, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. But that's fine. They're going to sink on this ship. No one gives a rat's ass about this hearing committee. No one cares. People care about – I'm in California right now – or excuse me, Washington. It's about $7 a gallon up here. So people care about that, <laughs> the rise in crime, this absurd obsession with giving the Ukraine billions of dollars a month. Now Zelensky all of a sudden needs 10 a month. Yeah, sure. Why not? Make it a clean 50 while you're at it. This is hilarious. And, you know, whatever. Everything else that's just so great, stock market, upside down. Things are awesome property values yeah but let's focus on january 6th oh, these these midterms are going to be a disaster <laughs> oh, God. and you can mail in covid warm up you can warm up another covid you can do whatever you want it's gonna it's it's happening i don't care if you let people mail in three times <laughs> there's gonna be a house flipping and i don't mean down the street either i don't mean uh that property up for sale here in lovely tacoma and biden's approval rating now from the most left-leaning poll I could find, disapproval rating 58%, and that's from MSNBC, 58% disapproval rating. The lowest Trump's got was 52%, and that was during the thick of the COVID and the media basically doing everything they could to cut this country in half, regardless of how you feel about that, between race and COVID and vaccine and everything. And Biden, with the full backing of the media, is nearing 60% disapproval. And the 39% that approve, I have to think half those people are lying. So th- this, is, this is really, really getting scary. Uh, if I'm a you know, blue blood Democrat over here looking around the room, this is, this is not good. And, and there's going to be a massive wake-up call come here soon. Speaking of wake-up call, I'm over here in Tacoma. I flew into Portland Monday, and I have never really spent much time in the Pacific Northwest, and it is beautiful out here. But I drove, I got to step, fly into Portland. I had a meeting there next morning, and then I would drive up to Seattle and all this. And the poker game of life ensued at a gas station. So I go to the gas station, I get out of my rental truck, and I walk over to the gas station to get some water and something to eat. I was starving. And I saw some two or three dudes meandering around the truck, and I'm like, here we go. And I'm in Portland proper. So I get back to the truck, and this dude basically asked me for some money. 
I mean, so the poker game of life. So he he raises he three bets. There's the there's the raise. I need some money. Well, I'm gonna come over the top and four bet him. Sorry, man, I don't have any cash, and I'm on I'm on work, so I gotta get going. Well, he's gonna five bet me. He's gonna re raise my re raise and says, "We'll go to the ATM." <laughs> oh, so that's fine. You want to raise? How about I re-raise? So this is a six bet. Man, you got change? <laughs> Basically, if I go to the ATM, you think I'm handing you a 20? You got 19 on you? He didn't know how to handle that. And he goes, yo, man, just give us something. And now I am all in. So in the poker game of life, this was, there was many raises in this, this hand here. And I said, homeboy, and uh, homeboy, if you don't move away from the door of this truck, I will move you all in. And I know what I have. I don't need to check my cards. Yeah, he checked his. Just reaffirmed that 3-8 offsuit. I'm skipping a lot of this story. You don't need to hear it. Reluctantly, he got out of the way of the truck. And I got in the truck and went to the hotel. <laughs> this is a very good fold on his part because I was not having it. Uh, probably got a contact high in my hotel in Portland as it just reeked of marijuana, which I, I wasn't aware you could smoke in <laughs> in hotels. I guess you can't, uh, but whatever. And then I was able to come up here to Seattle and then kind of go back down to Tacoma, which is easily the most ridiculous city I've ever been. It's like living in Colorado, except uh, you're up here and there's snow-capped mountains. It's cool. I mean, we're in June. It's cool at night. Uh, it doesn't get dark till like, 10 o'clock at night. It's crazy. Um, but this place is pretty much left alone. Tacoma is to Seattle is to what San Diego is to LA. LA is a shithole. Seattle's a shithole. But it seems like I know San Diego is fine. I've been there a couple times in the last two years. But even here in Tacoma, it's just beautiful. It's like living in Colorado, but there's an ocean. And you can smell that Pacific Northwest salt water. And I was over in Maine earlier uh, in the latter part of last year with Boston Dan. You could smell it. That northeastern, it's a different type of salt smell. It's beautiful. We're sitting at a lighthouse. And then just a few months later, I'm over here on the other side of the country. It's really incredible. This country is insane. But the topography and everything else is immaculate. And I just, uh, man, I really love this Tacoma City. So much to do here. It's fun. I'm gonna, not going to miss it, but it certainly beats Seattle. Seattle is a joke. Anyway, and so is their football team and their coach. <clears throat> NYP. NYP. So we do, as I said, we'll circle back to certain stories, unlike the previous press secretary, Jen Psaki. We actually will circle back. My dad, when he preached, used to do this a lot, and I liked it because you may have missed something in your initial message, or there was just too much there to get into the entirety of what it is. That's typically my case. And in this case, this is one that I did the week before that I left to go away in January. It was called The Long Walk. And we're coming back. I believe Tommy Bench made fun of me, and I quote, as he regaled us with high school basketball stories. Well, I'm going to regale you again. Um, Roll your eyes. That's right. And warm it all up. But this is important because this is something you guys can all take with you no matter what walk of life you are in, you've definitely done this, and uh, you should recognize it, because I recognize I still do it now, and people still do it to me, and it's just innate in all of us, NYP. What is that? Well, I'll get into that in one second, but I'm glad you asked. 
So it was called The Long Walk, the episode I did. If you remember, if you don't, we're beating a team. Everyone was suspended. I played the entire game against the conference rival, and I got they missed a shot. You know, I got the ball got out to me on the outlet. They fouled me. I made these two free throws. Then they missed a shot. We got it back. Then they fouled me. The game's over. Then you take that long walk to the free throw line as your crowd goes nuts and it all sinks into them that indeed the game is over. Well, the long walk was one thing, but one thing I didn't get into in this game was a very specific moment in a very specific timeout when something very specifically said just to me by a coach that I will never forget. There's been some things that have been said to me uh, once in a restaurant, I never will forget the crazy, cracked out cokehead chef. <laughs> this this guy was one of the craziest chefs. He was a tyrant at one of the most prestigious restaurants in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't need to get into it. He hasn't been there in over a decade. I didn't have a rehab a couple times, whatever. But one guy wouldn't drop food at a table. He didn't know where to put it. And this was synchronized service. So everyone dropped it down at the same time on one side with one hand. Then you rotate you know counterclockwise and then you serve or clockwise because you're serving with the left clear with the right so you go clockwise and then serve that person to the left anyway he messed it all up and it kind of ruined the conga line and the chef pulled him aside and he just yelled this dude's name was brent yelled right in his face god damn it brent i don't care but just make a decision and that, that that stuck with me because what he's saying is Anything is better than what you just did. Sit there, confused, duh, and then you ruin everything. Make a decision. He even said, basically insinuating, if the decision is incorrect, make one. And I agree. And I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget what was told to me in this game at this specific moment. But in order to get here appropriately, we have to back up and talk about this game one more time. So here's the highlights. Everyone that's good on the team is suspended, <laughs> except for Uncle Public, who used to be on this show. Again, I'm the only white kid on this team. Uh, and <clears throat> although our season was screwed because our coach was garbage, if, you, if we won this game, we still kind of kept our playoff hopes alive, although we were not going to beat this powerhouse in our conference. But at least it kept it going, right? You know, you know your NFL team kind of late in the year when it was a, a regular 17-week, 16-game season. You're eight and seven at the end of the year, and if you win, and then eight eight teams lose, and then the Redskins tie the Seahawks, and then there's a full moon, and then your neighbor cucks you <laughs> uh, on the on the blood red moon, then you get to go to the playoffs. That's kind of what we had there, right? And your neighbor has to cuck you at exactly midnight as he sacrifices a hamster to Belzebub or something uh, along those lines. Well. We kind of had that, and we didn't want to let that go. So whatever. So everyone's suspended. The JV team is going to have to send up like five kids. And it was me and Uncle Public, really the only two kids on varsity. Uncle Public was really good. I probably played, you know, 30 to 50% of the game my senior year, I guess. And um, in this particular case, I was going to play the whole game. And we played this team called Philmont, and Philmont found out all these guys were suspended, and they got really cocky before the game. Uh, some things were said, and if they won the game, they not only did they knock us out of the playoffs, but they got into the playoffs for like the first time in their school's history. So this is going to be interesting for them. And the whole day, I just remember really being focused. We had a practice the day before that, knowing we're not going to have these guys. The JV team kind of screwing around. I had to get them in line and say, this is not a joke. All right, this, is, this, this goes in the paper. Like, what you do now goes in the paper tomorrow. So 
It's not a time to joke around, Lenny. It's not a time to joke around now. This isn't junior varsity anymore. Like, you have, they write about you up here. So act like it. So we had to have a plan for this center on their team who was an absolute monster. All right, his name is Malik Cottrell. Malik Cottrell. Yeah, he's not white. Malik, good dude. I liked him. He actually played a little baseball uh, in basketball, though. He was an absolute monster. All right. He was about 6'4", somewhere between 220, maybe 210 to 220. Probably the most physically intimidating person I've seen upstairs while playing basketball. Against some pretty intimidating characters. Hakeem Wark played in the NBA for 15 years, won a title with Carmelo Anthony. You had Mustafa Shakur, McDonald's All-American at Arizona. Sean Singletary, ACC Player of the Year for Virginia. And they retired his jersey. Go Google all of that. Oh, yeah. Perky Omen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike Cook went to Pittsburgh. Calvin Green, Coppin State. Like, but no one was more intimidating than Malik as far as just the way that he looked. He had a massive vertical leap. If the ball got down to him in the post, it was a problem. A problem. And without our center and forward being in this game, we had to bring up two guys that never played. Excuse me, two varsity guys only on the team. They were already on the team that they never played to get them ready to, to defend this guy, which they didn't have a chance to do, really. They were big bodies. One's name was Jason. One's name was Austin. They were good dudes. Good dudes. Good dudes. Solid. But we tried to get ready to prepare them to play this monster and how fronting the post isn't going to do anything. Because if you front the post, he's just going to move you. You can't front the post with this guy. All right? you had, we had to almost come at him from two ways. And the guards, particularly myself, had to be very active down there because he liked to put the ball low sometimes. You could swipe it out of his hand. Just make life difficult for him at any shape and any facet. And I already knew what I was going to do in the beginning, but we'll talk about that. It's kind of irrelevant to the story, but it's pretty funny. But So we had our game plan ready. On how we're going to defend. You know, he's also good at passing the ball out of the post. In other words, when the ball went into the post, if you're a guard and you're on the top of the key and you turn your back to go double team and the guy's smart enough pass the ball in, is smart enough to pass and relocate, which most people are, then the ball would go into Malik and quickly out to the guy who's relocated. So when you turn around, you think the guy's in the same spot, he's in a different spot, and that one second's the difference between an open jump shot and a defended jump shot. So you really couldn't turn your back at all. You had to be on your guard at the entire time. So before this game started, uh, I remember I was getting ready. We were ready for this game. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Rich Lenardi comes up. That's Joe Lenardi, Bracketology. That's his late big brother who was the admissions director at this school. Very good friends with the family. Uh, very good friend. An, an amazing man. And he was like, I'm feeling good about this one today, Belts. I was like, me too. Me too. He's just like, go get him. So we open up the game. Uh, it's a night game in front of the jungle. I mean, our whole, like, it was rowdy AF. These night games was nuts. And, I mean, it, it was everything we thought it was going to be. We opened up the game. I think it hit two or three threes in the beginning, and then we never really looked back. But in the very beginning of the game, the ball got inbounded in the post to Malik, and he kind of gets the ball, drop steps. He's going to try to, I mean, this dude could dunk in. He could dunk off a drop step on you. It was dangerous. This dude goes up and I just come right over the top of him and foul him as hard as I possibly could. I mean, I just, I mean, it was intentional. It was so intentional. It was ridiculous. But he's so big and I'm so small. The impact was minimal, but he still fell to the ground. And the brothers liked that one. You would have thought I crossed him. There was like, oh, and I fouled the hell out of him. That's all I did. But I let this dude know, not today. 
You ain't cucking me. You ain't cucking today. None of this. Every foul is going to be like on Bill Ambeer, and this is 1988, and this is the Pistons versus the Celtics. It's just going to be rough on you. And these dudes, Jason and Austin, played their ass off the whole game. They didn't score a point till the very end. Austin had two. And the thing is, I gave him a free layup. I waited for him and gave it to him, and he laid it up. He almost missed it. His only points of his varsity career, whatever. But the point is that they did a good job down here with this guy, and we were able to kind of limit his damage because he was such a physical monster. But in order to get them going offensively, which I tried to do, I would be passing in the basketball. And this is what sparks NYP right here. So for those of you that played ball with me or didn't, I was playing the point this game. And it wasn't really my thing. I could guard the ball. It wasn't really a good – I couldn't really handle it that well. And at least for the standards of which some of the guys we played against, especially with our starting point guard being on the bench, it really wasn't much of a choice. But uh, one time this one dude on our team said I needed to go to Moves R Us. <laughs> it's still one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And he's right because I had two moves. Two moves. I never went right, only went left. And when I went left, I had this booty ass like kind of kind of running away from the basket hook shot off the backboard when I wasn't shooting a three that went in a lot. And if you were able to kind of defend it early, you would not allow me to get to that spot. But one thing I like to do is people would set a pick to the left side because I'm left-handed. I would jab left, go right, and I was quick off the jab. I'd leave my man. And when they caught up to me a little bit when I'm driving on an angle, I would take a hard stop take the ball with my right hand, throw it to my left hand, almost like I'm passing it to myself, and with my left hand, throw it into the post across my face and across the defender's face. It was a no look. Now, if you would have saw me do this the first time, you would have said, oh, snap, this dude. Little did you know that's all I can do. (laughs) So I couldn't do this in practice because they knew that's all I had, right? Like, I can't do this. But if you haven't seen me do this the first couple times, You're going to be like, oh, shit, this dude's got some game. No, no. And in this case, when the game would get tight and I was getting doubled up front for a little bit and Uncle Public couldn't quite find it, it was time to go to the post. And that's what I did. Pick left, jab left, go right, two hard dribbles, stop, right hand to the left hand, left hand, bullet, no look, pass, right to my buddy Austin, hits him in the face. Hits him in the face. Turnover. Next possession. We get the ball back. I see the same opportunity present itself. All right, we switch off a pick, so the post is going to swap spots. Now it's Jason down there. Same situation. Pick left, jab step left, go right. Two hard dribbles, stop. Left hand to the right hand to the left hand. Left hand, this time it's a bounce pass. Right in the bread basket, hits him in the chest. And then in the face. You know, what? what is going on? And then on a two-on-one, when I stole the ball from their point guard, this ha- I, I, don't think I've, I don't think I had three steals my entire career. I think I had six this game. I don't remember. But there was a lot of steals and a lot of points for me. I don't know how. We just got fired up to play this game. You weren't cucking us this day. Whatever. But I was basically on a two-on-one with this guy, Jason. And what I did was the dude was going to probably foul me, but I just saw a really easy opportunity because he was trailing me. So instead of just laying it up with my left hand... I kind of switch sides to get away from the defender. I go to the right side on like a jump step. And then with that, just put the, it's tough to describe, but with my right hand kind of threw the ball under my left arm, it went right around the defender, and it hit Jason right in the face, and then the ball went out of bounds. And then we called, we called timeout. 
So this happened almost three straight possessions. So I had made three great passes that should have resulted in six points for three assists. But instead, I get three turnovers. Not that I give a shit about that. But I can't see the forest from the trees right now. This, this purpose of this story is not about the game. It's not about the final score. It's not about getting ready for the game and everyone's suspended. I just had to set the table for you again. The point of this whole thing comes down to right now. You need to listen to this. Our coach was horrible, all right? Terrible. The guy that took over after him is a guy that now coaches for Coatesville. He coaches the public school with a point guard that I used to play with. That's where Rip Hamilton went. (laughs) You've heard of Coatesville. There's a statue of him right in front of the high school. They went to war at Lower Marion when Kobe was there at Lower Marion. He coached at Manhattan University. My brother had the luxury of playing under this man his entire career. Great coach. He ended up taking over the job. The assistant coach we had at the time was really good. The head coach was terrible currently, right? So this coach, our coach, who looked like Mario, except like 100 higher pounds with a Brillo pad for hair and this rapist mustache, Dude said that Calipari wanted his press. He was a pathological liar. He was probably a child molester. I don't know. This guy was horrible. His name is William France with a Z. Go Google him. I mean, he looks, you can find a picture of him. He looks like something out of a horror movie. Like Chris Hansen. Why don't you have a seat right here? Looks like he'd have a seat on Dateline trying to drop off 12-year-old brownies or brownies to a 12-year-old with, um, with some wine cooler, some fuzzy navel, <laughs> whatever. So. But I'm pulled aside by the assistant coach, Bruce Revis. I had a lot of respect for this man. He was a hell of a player and a hell of a coach. Before I could even say a word, I had no idea where he was going with this. The coach is drawing up a play. And mind you, I'm pretty integral part of this game. Played Played the whole game. Had the ball in my hands the whole game. Guarded the basketball the whole game. You'd think it'd be important I'd be in the in the huddle. And it is it is important, but this was more, this was more important. This was way more important because it taught me doing a podcast 22 years later talking about this now this is how impactful it was to me then and now as I try to go back and reflect on this it's one of the most powerful things that has ever been told to me in my entire life he grabs me by the jersey pulls me behind the bench no one even sees this except for uncle public dean Who's looking at this? I'm looking at Dean. I thought this dude Revis was crazy. I don't know if he was gonna. He was a big, strong old man too. Old man strength. Like this dude could choke slam me through the ground. And he gets real close because he was a fan of shouting praise and whispering criticism. That is a amazing part of leadership. If you're a leader, let's just stop real quick. If you're a leader, I don't care if you're a leader on your sales team, on your ops team finance, your men's softball league. If you're a real leader, shout praise and whisper criticism. There's no need to do the opposite because then you're not a leader. You're just an asshole. That was free. Anyway, Revis pulls me really close, looks me right in the eye. NYP, son. NYP. But coach, NYP. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Then why are you doing this? I don't know. Then stop doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, but shut up. Why are you doing it? You know he can't catch. (laughs) Got you, coach. 
Get your ass back in that game, white boy. I swear to God, that's what he said. <laughs> Missed the whole huddle. N-Y-P. Know your personnel. You could say it, know your people. We said know your personnel. Why are you giving a no-look pass on a two-on-one to a dude that can't catch? He just wasn't coordinated. Neither was the other one. Why are you giving a no-look pass crossbody hitting him in the temple <laughs> when you know he can't catch and he's not even looking? Because the guys that you would normally do that to that would catch it, get an and one, they're not playing belts. Do you not know that? They're on the be- They're in the stands. They're suspended. So why are you acting like this is business as usual? Now, I thought they're crazy because they can't catch it, right? No. You're crazy because you want them to do something that you know they can't. Just think about it. How crazy is the idea of expectations to be so out of whack with reality, to be so unrealistic, the two uncoordinated dudes that are busting their ass. They probably had 40 rebounds that game between the both of them. I'm, I'm not making that up. They bust, they bust their ass all game, guarding Malik, getting what they could, boxing him out, physically exhausting. This kid was a load when I mean he was ja- I mean, this dude looked like he could have posed on a magazine. His arms were bigger than people's legs. He was a massive, massive human being. Jump out the gym. And don't get dunked on in the gym I played and You'll never live that down. <laughs> but how crazy is that? That I expected them to be able to do something I knew that they couldn't do. So that's not even just so much the Einstein, oh, what's the definition of insanity? Which we don't even really know if he said that quote, by the way, but whatever. But the, the point is, is that it, I'm not getting into that side of it. But the biggest culprit, okay, in all of this, in expecting a different result is, is yourself. You know, you can take this and go just about anywhere. When I would bet, here's a micro example. When I would bet the New Orleans Hornets, when they were still the Hornets, it seems like the over-under was always about 202. And it would always come down to like right there, and I would need a Mecca Okafer to make a couple free throws. Well, Mecca Okafer is the most overpaid NBA player in the history of organized sports. He is awful. And he can't make a free throw. So I would continuously get mad as he would brick the front end of a one and one and cost me $200 that I probably didn't have at the time and then start screaming, you know, really ratchet up the racism. <laughs> That's a joke. But the point is that, like, why? NYP, I should know that. He's not making this. In, in, in politics, when Republicans and Democrats alike would get so mad at the Trumpster for going on these Twitter rants, what do you expect? Him not to? <laughs> NYP. You are expecting him to be someone he's completely not. And you could, again, a thousand different directions, but I'm not even going to give you the literal or quasi or anecdotal examples of anything because I don't need to. Because if it hasn't sunk in already, then I totally missed the boat on this one or you didn't listen or both. But when he told me NYP, now get your ass back in that game, white boy. It just made sense. And then 
a couple possessions later, we had took the game, basically secured it before the long walk type thing. And they made a little run, but I stole the ball from the point guard who then tripped and I went behind the back and kind of hopped over him. And it looked, I didn't cross him at all. He just tripped. But everybody went insane because <laughs> somebody touched earth. If you touched earth in this gym for any reason, it was like the original N1 mixtape crowd. I mean, dudes would be hanging on the rafters. I'm telling you. Like, it was insane. And I waited for him under the basket. He was right there. And I just flicked it to my buddy Austin, who almost didn't catch this one, but kind of jumped up and finger rolled, got it in. Dude gave me the biggest smile you've ever seen in your life. It was really cool. And uh, after the game, even um, Joe Lenardi came up to me and was like, hey, hey Belts, that was, that was pretty cool, man. I was like, hey, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Rich. It was a cool moment. But kudos to Bruce Revis for getting up in my ass and telling me what I needed to hear. Know your personnel. And don't expect your spouse, your kids, your boss your coach, your coworkers, your neighbor, don't expect them to totally change to fit your game plan. When you're doing things that they can't do and your expectations are here, when their ability to fulfill the expectations are here, you have to bridge that gap with some sort of, I won't say compromise, but the expectations need to be altered. And I think it's when you have a minute, Maybe just take a minute just to think about that because it still hits me like a brick even today. Um, it still does. Has anybody seen Bro Exotic? Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Bro Exotic jumping on the sports antelope. How you doing there, pal? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, official vice pope of Cow Church Woke. Oh, congratulations for getting your status back and sick. What's going on, dude? Uh, we will talk about that next week. You're reuniting back to vice pope. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I do know why, but we have more pressing matters to discuss right now, and time is of the essence. So, uh, you know, it's Pride Month. Which is your Super Bowl, correct? Oh uh, yeah, dude. It's uh, it's actually tied, uh, for best month of the year, uh, right next to Black History Month. But yes, it is. Uh, of course, of course, February is huge. Um, you get it all on the front end of the year, and then of course it gets worse and worse as the year gets on, especially with Christmas. But we'll we'll get to that shortly. So I imagine, is there any marginalized communities or something? Of course, you're gonna want to talk about. Just surprise me or don't. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's Pride Month. We're just, <clears throat> we're just trying to celebrate, you know, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, transsexual, two-spirit, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, ally, pan-gender, uh, agender, gender, queer, bi, gender, uh, gender variant, and, of course, pansexual uh, culture, and uh, just uphold their, uh, their rise in safe spaces, dude. Yeah, I mean, of course. I <laughs> mean, wow, that was quite the... Uh... <laughs> that was quite the acronym. Uh, so here we are, Pride Month. You know, a lot going on. And I know you don't watch the sports media too often, but... Oh, I am now, dude. Oh, uh, I, I think I know why. Maybe a team in Florida playing that baseball game. Yes. Uh, we're, we're definitely... Uh, Cow, Church of Woke. Uh, we're on the 
on the warpath here to cancel the uh, <laughs> the Tampa White Devil Rays, dude. Tampa White Devil Rays. Yes, yeah. that's a good way to phrase that. I mean, clearly, uh, some of them would not wear the patch uh, to, you know, sign- basically to signify their, um, you know, their involvement in, in, in this movement, which I know the Church of Woke, that had to stop the sands of time for you guys, right? I mean, that had to be like a full scale. The Woke Pope must have just sent the immediate well you, he gave you some esp you know i'm going off the rails but the woke pope had had known this was going to happen right i mean he probably knew prior to i imagine uh, oh he was furious uh zero to 60 yeah. uh not not too uh <laughs> not too happy with this one dude uh i mean look just uh as the spokesperson for the church of woke i just want to i just want to reiterate that we are open to uh to all voices all walks of life i mean Every opinion from like, you know, like ESPN to Disney to Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, the squad, anybody. We just we we value those opinions. But it's just like these bigoted Christians. Here we go. On the Tampa White Devil Rays. <laughs> these bigoted Christians. To, uh, to put an assault on Pride Month, dude. This is not cool, dude. I mean, I thought I thought we were uh, better than this. I thought uh, uh, Manfred would have uh, woken up baseball a little bit, but uh, you know, we were just we're really disappointed now, dude. I thought I thought this was all going to be behind us, you know. After we you know took the All Star game out of Atlanta, you know, I thought you know, I thought we were getting past all of this, but apparently yes. not, dude. Apparently not. I, I I do understand the rage versus the Christians, um, you know, that intolerant group. Of course, I imagine you feel the same way towards the Muslims. Oh, here we go. Well, no, I mean, they're probably not about the Christians and the Muslims might actually align there. I don't know how the Church of Woke feels about that. What do you mean, here we go? What does that mean? I mean, no, dude, it's just like, you know, every time uh, I have to question what Christians do um, in, in zero support of uh the gay community and the sort uh you know you have to bring up muslims uh the (laughs) the the crazy marginalized religious group in this country and i mean you're just proof of this right now dude um so we're not gonna have it no we're not gonna talk about the muslims dude because find me the muslim baseball players who are not wearing the pied patch i can can name you five pitchers for the tampa devil white devil race who will not wear the pride patch dude so find me the muslim pitchers if you can then just, you know, shut that one down, dude. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I, I was just wondering, I mean, if you did the cross analysis the other way, that's all. I mean, just, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing you here, right? I mean, I think I am sometimes. I'm wondering who's doing the interviewing, but. Just saying, dude. I mean, just don't trigger me like that, dude. Don't, you know, those don't trick. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do some research, find some Muslim pictures, maybe see if they wore that pride patch. That sounds fair. But for right now, I guess you're right. I, I don't know um, of anyone with Muhammad. Last name that's on that mountain, but I, I, I research coming my way. But anyway, burden of proof's church, on you, dude. Yeah, I guess burden of proof is on me. So the church of woke is furious. Tampa Devil Rays, as always, of course. And you know, of course, you bring Christians into it. You kind of cuck, but that's okay. I'm sure the woke Pope is also furious. I mean, everybody's furious. So, I mean, bro, what what is in conclusion to this one here? What what are you gonna do? What is the church of woke's marching orders? You know, what do we have a plan or is it just we're just going to cancel? 
Are they on cancel review or is it already done? The Tampa White Devil Rays are canceled. Oh, there it is. Straight to cancel review and they're canceled. They bypass cancel review. They are canceled. We have never heard canceled. We have never heard of anyone bypass cancel review. Wow. The church woke moves swiftly. Very unorthodox, unprecedented move, but yet extremely effective. We will see how the cancellation officially from the vice pope of the church woke, Bro Exotic, has now uh, proclaimed on this show. You heard it. Everyone's know it. Everyone's talking about it. This is going to hit the Twitter line soon, Bro Exotic. So we're going to take this message uh, and we're going to run with it. So anyway, uh, thank you for delivering the bomb. Once again, anything you'd like to close with? Uh, yeah, dude. No joke. Stay woke. And uh, see you next week, dude. Stay woke, man. Yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, cheers, dude. Damn Christians. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote. I'm your host, Danny Belts, episode 103, KYP. Know your personnel. Look, you can't put people in situations where they're going to be unsuccessful because your expectations are that they should be from the situation you're putting them in, right? You can't expect the no-look pass in life when you can't catch. And the guy throwing it can't expect you to get some and one, right? This doesn't work like that. Thanks to Bro Exotic for jumping on the Sports Antidote. I believe we'll have the Church of Woke's Greatest Hits Volume 2 coming soon. A teaser for you. Focusing on, of course, gun violence and global warming. That should be coming soon. Tommy Bench should be back next week. He's been traveling for work, campaigning and such. I believe he's in Vegas right now. Interesting. But just remember, boys. No... Your personnel, please. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. And if you don't, tell someone about the Sports Antelope. I'll cuck you. Keep it real, Antidotions!